Welcome to the UAlbany News Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah O'Carroll. I have with me Kevin Knuth, an associate professor of physics and a former NASA research scientist. Knuth, whose research focuses on exoplanets and quantum mechanics and relativity, is leading a team of scientists to track unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs, off the coast of California. New reports, five pilots coming forward over the weekend saying they've had multiple mid-air encounters with high-flying, fast-moving objects. The New York Times speaking with five Navy pilots who've all said they've encountered UFOs during training missions up and down the East Coast. What do you think, dude? That's not an LNS, though, is it? It's not. It is an LNS, dude. Well, if there's a like thing, thing, it's rotating. Kevin, thank you so much for speaking with me. Oh, thank you for having me. Can you share any theories about where these UFOs or UAPs might be coming from or what kinds of talk there is about where they could originate? That's a good question. That's been a matter of a lot of discussion. And given that we know so little at this point, all the hypotheses are still on the table. You know, are they extraterrestrial? Um, do they come from another country? Did somebody else make these things in secret? That's that's actually hard to believe at this point, because with this type of technology, you would imagine that somebody would have used it in the last 15 years for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and to keep something like that secret for 15 years would be difficult to imagine especially because it gives you such a huge military advantage, you know, but still on the table, are they interdimensional or, you know, which we wouldn't understand at all, or, you know, if they're extraterrestrial, you know, where could they come from? And that you can put some bounds on, you know, we know what the accelerations are. So in in some cases, we estimated accelerations ranging from over, from around 100 times the acceleration of gravity, 100 G, up to about 5,000 Gs. And even at 100 Gs of acceleration, if you accelerated, you know, for your trip halfway and then decelerated the rest of the half at 100 Gs, you could traverse the galaxy in about four months. You're not going faster than light, but you're going fast enough that relativistic effects, relativity kicks in and the traveler's clocks will slow down. So, while for us, it would, we would see them taking 100,000 years to get across the galaxy, they would do it uh, according to their clocks in only, only a couple months. That's really interesting. And now you're embarking on this project in California. Can you share a little bit about how that came about and what you all are seeking to do? Yeah, I was contacted by um, Kevin Day, who was the senior chief um, radar operator, I believe, on the USS Princeton, which um, was with the Nimitz Carrier Group in 2004. He was involved with tracking a number of these UAPs that were eventually videotaped. And so he's been personally interested in trying to learn about them and find out what these things are. I'd I'd written an article some time ago just stating that scientists ought to study these things. And so he contacted me and asked, do you want to study these things? And, And I said, well, what do you have in mind? And so he proposed to hire a research vessel and park it off the coast of Southern California where he had previously seen these objects and, and basically see if we can find any more. And when you say a research vessel, that's like a boat, a essentially? Boat. Yeah, yeah. So so he already has a boat lined up for hire that we're pl- we plan to hire in, I believe, December of 2020, so December of next year. And we plan to go off the coast of Southern California, just south of probably San Clemente Island, is where south, just south of San Clemente Island and Santa Catalina Islands are where he saw them appearing on radar first. 
one of the ideas we have to help ensure our success is to try to get satellite imagery of that area um, now and monitor that area of ocean by satellite for the next couple of months and see if we can actually see any of these things on satellite. Um, he, when he was tracking them, they would appear at about 80,000 feet. They would appear on his radar at 80,000 feet, which is mm. quite high. And they would typically drop down to about 28,000 feet altitude and then cruise south at 100 miles an hour. Okay. Which for 28,000 feet is rather slow. You've got to go fast to stay up because there's not much air there. For an airplane, it has to go fast to stay up. So it's already already odd <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> seeing something moving that slowly at 28,000 feet. But if they're moving at 100 miles an hour, they should be easily spotted by satellite. And the pilots who saw them reported them being about the size of an F-18 around. They were basically tic-tac shapes. They call them tic-tacs. Basically a big white butane tank. Mm -hmm. Flying butane tank is what they appeared to be. It looks like there are some other entrepreneurs on the team too. Can you share about who else will be involved besides um, the leaders and yourself? Yeah, certainly. So um, Deep Prasad is the CEO of um, a quantum computing company called Reactive Q, um, based in Toronto. He's going to be working on this with us. Rizwan Verk, he's a entrepreneur from Silicon Valley. He's going to be working with us as well. I'm writing a grant proposal at this moment, and we're also working to get crowdfunding um, to fund parts of the expedition as well. Um, now, what are your, some of your questions going into this? Beyond just what will you find, what are some other things that you've been in discussion about? A good bit. I mean, the first the first question is, are we going to have, do we have a chance of success? And, and that's where the satellite imaging comes in to try to help ensure success. We've also been worried about whether these things are still present. You know, when Kevin Day was tracking them, that was 2004, which is 15 years ago. So it's very, you know, it's... It, it's likely they're just not around anymore and or moved on somewhere else or just not here so it's not clear that we'll find anything um, we've had some indication that that's not the case we had a since there's been several articles about this we had a pilot from a, a commercial pilot contacted deep prasad and um he, he's remained anonymous and um we don't know what company he worked for but he informed us that about two weeks before he contacted him, which was probably this was sometime in August. August, he and his, I think he was a co-pilot, and he and the pilot had spotted a TikTok-shaped object off the coast of Oregon. So they may still be around. Maybe they're up in Oregon, in which case we'll, we'll expand our satellite search and we'll maybe move the research vessel up there. I'd rather be on a research vessel in Southern California in December, but if it has to be Oregon, <laughs> it'll be Oregon. <laughs> Because Oregon is where the startup is based, the one that is initiating this project to begin with. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And then it's just coincidence that the Tic Tac was spotted by the pilot in Oregon and that the Kevin Day is also located in Oregon. That's coincidence. But And then we also have um, another collaborator is lives in Washington State, and he has a company that helped develop the infrared cameras that were used by the Navy. So he has a couple of the FLIR cameras himself, and he's been using them to try to see what he can see in the sky, and he already has recorded several interesting objects. One of them appears to be tic-tac-shaped. You know, we haven't really analyzed that video yet, so we can't say for certain that's what it is, but we're hoping that there's, you know, that together both the pilot's sighting and, and his recordings are, you know, some evidence that these things might still be around. 
and so we might be successful. And how might you look look on this and say this has been successful? How are you going to be measuring that? Um, we're hoping to get um, imagery. So we're hoping to take um, photographs and videos of them, both in, both in visible and infrared. Um, we are going to have spectrometers so that we can measure the spectra of light coming off of these things and see what we can learn from that. We have several other potential instruments set up. We're going to try to detect radiation, maybe gamma ray radiation or even neutrons, um, just to see what what there is. We have no idea what we're dealing with, so Mm -hmm. we're just going to bring an array of equipment to hopefully measure whatever we can measure, try to figure out what these things actually are. And what would you say is at stake for this project? What is significant about this? What, how would you answer the sort of so what question? The so what question? Well, of course, the Navy was mostly interested in security. You know, so if these things are Russian or Chinese or North Korean, we're in trouble. Uh, we're in serious trouble. These things accelerate at very high rates. We estimated their accelerations from the, some of the information that Kevin Day provided um, it appears that these things can accelerate up to at least 5,000 times the acceleration of gravity, oh, which wow. is insane. <laughs> and so, you know, at those rates, you could get, if you tied whatever's propelling that to a missile, you could get a missile from Beijing to Washington in a couple minutes. <laughs> wow. And so, security-wise, it's a big deal. Anybody who has this technology would easily dominate any of the militaries on the planet. So, of course, we worry about enemies having this, um, and they should worry about us having this. So it's so it's a concern for everybody that way. If they're not from this planet, we all have a problem. We all have a potential problem. They don't appear to be hostile. As far as I know, there's no real reports of any kind of hostility. So that's a good thing. Um, but should they decide to be hostile, there's a problem. Now, on the more science side of it, it's not clear how they fly. How do you fly no exhaust, how do you fly right? a butane tank? <laughs> you know, it doesn't have wings. There's no obvious means of propulsion. There's no exhaust. You know, from the infrared videos you don't see any kind of exhaust. So they're um, not like drones either. They're not drones. No, it's clear that that's not the case. So we don't know how they stay aloft. We don't know how they propel themselves. We certainly don't know how you propel anything at five thousand G's of acceleration. Um if we had that technology, you we could have shuttles to Mars that could get there in you know half an hour. So you could we could actually be in a if we had that technology and you could actually use it, then we could have a Mars Mars colony and have taxis to Mars. You could go to Mars for the for lunch and come home. Um, it would easily allow people to civilize to populate the solar system, and we could probably go to other star systems with this type of technology. So, so this is one reason why people in Silicon Valley are interested in this. And there's probably many other uses for the technology as well. Uh, from a science perspective, there's clearly some kind of physics to learn. We don't know, you know, there either, there's either some aspect of physics that we're missing that we don't quite understand yet, or some very clever engineering is using the physics we do know to pull this off. And so... We're going to either make some huge advances in physics or engineering by studying these things. And um, and if they are extraterrestrial, we stand the chance to making contact with another intelligent species and mm-hmm. learning more about our galaxy, which would be really probably the biggest discovery in human history. So it's 
it's a problem when I encountered this and I thought, wow, here are the possibilities. And I thought, well, I don't want to walk away from the biggest discovery in human history and then Mm -hmm. kick myself later because I thought it was kind of (laughs) crazy when I first heard it. And so I thought, let's think about this a little bit and look into it. And the more I looked into it, the more interesting it gets. So... So it was enough to draw you as a serious intellectual and scholar on the subject, as well as just all of the unknowns that have their own appeal, it sounds like. Yeah. And as a physicist, it's problematic because I don't know how these things are accelerating through the air at those rates. They're not creating sonic booms. There's no um, huge amounts of heat being dumped. You know, these accelerations require power on the order of atomic bombs worth of power so when one of these things flies it ought to be there ought to be several atomic bombs blowing up a second amount of energy being released and you don't see any of that so it's not clear how they work at all so i really want like to understand the physics and engineering here and i don't understand it it's not it's it's sufficiently odd that leads you to question whether the observations are actually correct but so far the observe observations all appear to be consistent from multiple observers multiple imaging modalities and so it's hard to argue against that do you remember where you were when the first couple videos surfaced in 2017 of US fighter pilots trying to make sense of what they were seeing those kinds of moments did they stick with you as a physicist yeah they did i was I remember they were released on December 16th, 2017, and it was a oh-my-God moment. You know, is this really real? Are they really <laughs> releasing this? Is this is this possible? And I remember thinking all of those things and, and, and you know, excited, but also skeptical. Like, well, this, this is surprising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> surprising they're being released and surprising that this is possible. I'm realizing that when you, I I guess, are reading about scientists who are tracking unknown aerial phenomenon, it sounds like that you have already kind of ascribed to the belief that this is what you'll find or you believe they're out there, so you're trying to search for it. And yet I've been hearing all of your questions and curiosity and recognition of the unknowns, too. And so it sounds like you are the ones who have the courage to go into that unknown space and try to, no pun intended, um, you're willing to go into that kind of territory to ask these big questions, which potentially have really big implications for humanity. Yeah, I mean, that. well, this is how big discoveries are made. You know, you f- see something odd and you check it out. And, and, you know, maybe it's nothing, in which case we'll find out and we'll all walk away and go do something else later. Or it'll turn out that it is something and we're going, all going to learn something pretty dramatic. It's interesting also because we're in a situation where this is a complete unknown, you mm-hmm. know, and I talked to Lou Elizondo, who ran the Pentagon's program, and he, you know, he made it clear, he goes, we don't know what these things are, we don't know where they come from, we don't know who's flying them or who made them, we don't know if they're piloted or autonomous or remote controlled. And we don't know what they're here for. So it's, these are big questions. And it's, it's not only potentially interesting scientifically or from an engineering perspective, but it's, but also from a safety perspective. So it's, it would be, it would be rather foolish to assume, oh, it's nothing and just walk away. And that could put us in some kind of danger if it turns out it's not nothing, or we could miss an opportunity. 
it sounds like there's a lot of exciting things ahead and I look forward to um, keeping up with it. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Walbany News Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah O'Carroll, and that was Kevin Knuth. You can let us know what you thought of the episode by emailing us at mediarelations at albany.edu, or you can find us on Twitter at uAlbany News.